Your brain might just help you learn something in more ways than one. Welcome to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. Dr. Bell is a licensed marriage and family therapist. He'll be your guide on this crazy exploration designed to bring life back into our existence. Can you become the element of change in an ever-changing world? Possibly, but you've got to listen on to find out. Now here is the host of Absurd Psychology, Dr. Gary Bell. Welcome, everybody. All right, today we're talking about anxiety, living in fear. You know, anxiety is like a mental and a physical state of negative expectation. And, you know, mentality is characterized by an increased arousal and apprehension, uh, which basically is tortured into distressing worry physically by unpleasant activation of your body systems and all to facilitate response to an unknown danger, whether real or imagined. And so the cognitive, the thought-based feelings of dread and anticipation of some bad outcome and the physical sensations to prepare for that bad outcome, like a racing heart, jitteriness, is designed for discomfort. Anxiety is really there to capture attention and stimulate you to make necessary changes to protect what you care about. And occasional bouts of anxiety are neutral and can even be productive. And they are also natural. And so the bottom line is, is that anxiety can actually be a motivator, which a lot of people use fear to motivate them. Unfortunately, it's not a very productive or healthy thing to do. But that natural uh, 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 and productive aspect of anxiety can be temporarily a good way to, to get things done. Unfortunately, living in fear it goes against the whole concept of why we are alive. We are alive because we live on a planet that has to do with living in a faith-based nature. That means we don't control outcomes. We influence outcomes, and that's about all as much as control as we have. But people that seek control oftentimes experience enormous amounts of anxiety simply because they're trying to control things they can't control. We're here to influence. So if we're going to live in fear, you have to understand that anxiety is always going to come with it. And if you're a real control freak, then you're going to be talking about panic uh, disorders, panic attacks, and that can be gravely de uh, debilitating because basically when you live in fear, what you're training your brain to do is operate from the brainstem, which is your lizard part of your brain. And that's fight or flight. And that's like living like an animal. We're not animals. We are creatures of the earth called humans. And we have the ability to think and we have deep thought and we have a lot of potential. However, people that live in fear, like in a third world country, aren't going to be discovering how to go to the moon or go to Mars or do outstanding things, cure cancer, simply because they live in fear. And so it takes a safe culture, a place where people feel safe, to be able to move forward and to uh, evolve into a greater being. Unfortunately, the world today is not safe, and therefore we live in a more primitive thought process of tribalism. And tribalism causes enormous amounts of anxiety. And COVID did not help that because too much time alone leaves us in our brains without the ability to manage our thoughts, without the, the ability to bounce things off other people, and therefore we end up uh, being our own judge, our own uh, 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 control freak over our life, 
and we box ourselves in to enjoy living inside the house and not living in the world. And taking leaps of faith is not in your nature after you've been stuck in your home for two years. So the bottom line is we as human beings, we want to get outside of the box and understand that it's okay to experientially learn life. It's okay to go out there and actually, instead of uh, living in uh, the the idea of a a prognosis of what things are going to look like and catastrophizing, but we live in the potentials. We live in the possibilities. And people that live in fear have trouble and have anxiety and have panic attacks. They have trouble uh, enjoying the prospects of the potentials of what could happen. And so, you know, the possibilities of life is too far away from them. And that alone causes enormous amounts of anxiety. But persistent and persuasive, uh, pervasive and outsized anxiety can really disrupt your life, whether at school, at work, with friends. The mark of an anxiety disorder is basically the fact that you feel like your life is hindered or frozen. And a lot of people will exacerbate their anxiety by doing what's called comparative thinking. And what that means is they're comparing themselves to other people who may have been doing the same thing they're doing for much longer and may be much better experts at what they do. But unfortunately, when we do comparative thinking, we're usually the one that is not good, that is the failure, which creates another narrative, which creates depression, a failure narrative. If we have expectations of ourselves that are unreasonable, like not having anxiety, not having fear, living in faith, and we don't, that means we fail. And when we carry that failure forward as a narrative in our life, we keep collecting evidence that we are a failure and we develop what's called depression, which is on the other side of the coin of anxiety. It's neither possible nor desirable to eliminate anxiety entirely. You know, it plays a really critical role in keeping us alert and alive. That's great. That's why we have fight or flight, so that we can survive. But to live in that state is exhausting, and it causes enormous amounts of stress on us, and it can really take away many, many, many years of our lives. If you really think about it from a genetic perspective, there is a gene of the 32 common genes that we have that operates off of stress. And what that gene is, it controls our exit strategy from life. And if you get enough stress in your life and enough panic attacks and you live in that too long, what will happen is your brain decides, I can't take this anymore, I've had enough, and it turns on that gene. And once that gene's on, whether you're gonna die of cancer, uh, uh, heart disease, Whatever, diabetes, whatever it is that you're predispositioned to go at, it's going to turn that on and, man, that thing's going to take off like a rocket. And guess what? You could get cured of it, but it'll come back again because that gene never stops until you're dead. And so stress is a huge thing in your life to have to manage. It's very important for us to take very seriously and the temperature of how stressed we are and how much anxiety that we choose to live with. And then if you t- add on the idea of having trauma, like an auto accident, or or uh, having terrible parenting when you're young and then carry their patterns forward into your own life in their own image of what they thought you were when you were a child instead of who you are, you're just adding to the layers of stress that you live in. You know, if you're going to perceive life through that little box in your brain, of what life is, 
you will lack the curiosity to seek knowledge and wisdom outside of yourself. And so as we shut the box on what we think life is, we lose our ability to connect and have relationships with other people simply because of the parameters we put around ourselves. And that is another cause of anxiety because the more tighter we try to fit into our tribe of people that agree with us, the more that we lose relationships in life. You know, anxiety is the leading mental health problem around the world. And the incidence of anxiety is rising. Nearly one third of adults just in the US will grapple with out of control anxiety at some point in their life. And, and one often cited reason for general rise in anxiety is the burden of uncertainty in almost every domain of modern life. Just look at the news. You know, in, in response to a array of economic and cultural shifts and government shifts and wars and all that kind of crap, we pile on. So if we're going to sit there and watch the news, which is highly erratic and tells us what they want to believe rather than what the truth is, we end up uh, getting a lot of conflicting stories, which causes a lot of anxiety. By the way, you know, the media needs to get your attention in order to make money. And so you have to understand that they will do that at any cost. And so the bottom line is if you're going to focus your life and hinge your life on the news, you're going to find yourself being anxious. You know, anxiety declares itself not just with endless loops of worry in the mind, but with the heart-pounding discomfort in our body. And we cannot forget that. General jumpiness and trembling to, to, to ringing of the ears and the shortness of breath, all of that is driven off of anxiety. Body symptoms of anxiety can be highly misleading. Not only are they often misrepresented as signs of a heart attack or impending doom, and God knows so many people will end up in the ER emergency room because they feel like they're having a heart attack and then find out, shockingly, that it's anxiety. That you know, Anxiety creates what are called somatic pain. And somatic pain means that there's tension in our stomach, tension in our heart, tension in our, uh, our, our, our heartbeat, tension in our blood pressure. You know, if that's going to happen, it's going to exacerbate our organs and create a lot of problems. Breathing, it's all kinds of stuff, you know, pains in different parts of our body, aches, arthritis, all of that stuff is exacerbated by anxiety. So physical symptoms may be assumed to be the result of physical causes. But, you know, if you really get down to the bottom line, a lot of hypochondriacs out there in this world, and there's many of them, uh, they cannot find the root of their problem. And that is because it's somatic pain caused by stress. Stress exacerbates our brain, exacerbates our organs because our brain runs our organs, and it causes us to tighten our breathing, which means we shut our mouth, we breathe through our nose because we're stressed out, we're trying to protect ourselves, but at the same time, you're eliminating oxygen from your brain, and so your brain is going to take the oxygen out of the bloodstream. As it does that, it pulls it up into the brain because the brain runs the show and it holds a third of our blood, and so basically the brain gets the oxygen so we can stay alive, and all the other organs start to sputter because there's not enough oxygen to make them beat to make them operate. That's what the makes the sun blow up is oxygen. So if you want to eliminate the, the anxiety in a very quick way, I'm not talking about the thought process of it, but the real process 
is to actually drink water because water has about 86% oxygen. If you drink from an aerated bottle, which would be a bottle like like a, a Gatorade bottle or something like that with the aerator on top that, you know, when you drink it, it goes tick, 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 tick. That means that that oxygen is being automatically instantly activated so that the brain will get that oxygen and release the rest of the oxygen back into your bloodstream. Now your organs will stabilize. So that's just a little biological tip. You know, anxiety disorders can often be addressed with psychotherapy, you know, alone or in a combination with medication or with lifestyle shifts. But you know what? Cardio, cardio, cardio. If you're a freak out, fear-based person, get off your butt, stop doing what you feel and do what's right and get out there and exercise. Cardio, 20 minutes. 20 minutes of cardio is about 65% of an antidepressant. Well, guess what that means? It's also going to treat anxiety. So yeah, you need to get your brain off of ruminating over the things that you fear. That means you need to think about something else rather than what you fear. You know, there's a lot of understanding of going, I just need to accept what's happening. I would prefer something different is happening, but I need to accept what's happening. And when we live in preferences, we are able to communicate those all day long to everyone. And what that basically means is that we are able to communicate our needs to other people without offending them. Preference, not expectations, preference. That means we're joining life, we're accepting things that we're not in control of, and we're able to adapt to those things, and we're able to experientially gain experiences from our life. Instead of focusing on failure, which drives fear, a lot of people have to be perfect. They just have to be perfect. But if you understand you're not perfect, you never will be. You know, we all thought like the Hubble telescope might be perfect, and then we found out it wasn't. They had to fix it. And now we probably think this new, uh, I can't remember the name of it, but the, the, the new telescope, telescope out there is perfect. It's not. It's going to evolve. Science evolves. Medication evolves. Anything that's scientifically invented is not perfect. It evolves. That's how life is. So we need to evolve. And if we do evolve, then we're not fighting life. We're living with life in faith, and that means we're not living in fear. When fear enters, faith leaves. When faith enters, fear leaves. That's how life works. You know, occasional bouts of anxiety are really normal, and one of the unavoidable costs of being and, and staying alive is having anxiety. However, sometimes worries get out of control because we ruminate. We ruminate to try to control. We, we ruminate to overthink things and try to think in terms of this, that, and the other. That creates a lot of problems in our life. And so we have to understand that these phobias generally target specific objects or experiences in the sense of trying to control that. And sometimes anxiety roars into the scene in a sudden intense burst and builds into a terrifying crescendo in minutes. And that is because emotionally, we don't understand that emotions are meant to emote. That means they move through us. And so what basically has to happen is emotions, if you give them a logical reason why you're having the emotion, because we're all analytical and we want to control emotions, 
what will happen is the emotion will build. Every time you ask a why question, why do I feel this way, and then you answer it, you're adding three minutes to an emotion. If you just let the emotion emote and don't give it a reason for being and just let it run through you, it'll go away. It's the rumination process that causes anxiety. It's the need to control an emotion, which we cannot do. You know, the, the phobias also create panic attacks, and they can strike randomly out of the blue at any time. And they may occur to incapacitate you while you're driving or doing something where you need to be focused. And, and it, anxiety is amenable to treatment. What's really interesting is one of the best treatments for anxiety is called in vivo. And that means to actually put yourself in the, uh, the fear in the moment where you would be normally afraid and allow yourself to live through it. And if you have the courage to do something like that, you will face anxiety straight up and you likely will be able to move through it and overcome. But if you're collecting evidence that things are going to happen the way you predict while you're sitting in the in vivo in life experience, you're going to find yourself to be greatly disappointed simply because you're collecting facts to prove yourself right. You know, we live in these narratives. We collect stories about ourselves and other people, and then we collect evidence as a habit, and then it becomes a part of our character simply because we have to be right. We want to always be right. But truth is uh, really uh, uh, very uh, slippery. You know, the bottom line is that all of us have our own truth, our own perceptions, and we have to understand that truth is uh, something that evolves. And so the bottom line is, if we're going to live in a narrative or if we're going to place a narrative and label on someone else, especially black and white labels, which we all like to do, that makes we think that's going to make things easier because now I know how to treat this person. Now I know how to give them justice, you know, like we're here to do that, you know, but the bottom line is we are people we are a slippery slope when we decide to go down these negative narratives and they can dictate horrible things in our life. All right, we're going to take a quick break. We're going to come back and talk more about anxiety and how to treat it. So come back. Friend us on Facebook to keep up with what's empowering the world. Voice America Empowerment. Dr. Gary Bell is available for speaking engagements as well as teaching at your seminar or workshop and life coaching via telephone Skype or in person in the Seattle area. Dr. Bell brings his no-nonsense, straight-from-the-hip discussions each week on the show, but it doesn't stop there. Learn about motivation and psychology, one-couple marriage repair, a two-day workshop in Seattle, and more. Visit drgbmft.com today or call Dr. Gary Bell at 951-818-7856. That's drgbmft.com or 951-818-7856. Friend us on Facebook to keep up with what's empowering the world. Voice America Empowerment. You are tuned in to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. If you have a question for Dr. Gary or his guest, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. That's easy enough, but if you want to send an email, it will take some thinking. Got a pen? 
The email address is drgbmft at sbcglobal.net. Or you can just click on Email Host on the Voice America page. Now, back to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. Welcome back, everybody. All right, we're talking about anxiety, the living in fear. You know, if you want to break it down, there's different kinds of anxiety disorders. The first is, and the most prevalent, is what's called a generalized anxiety disorder where you feel excessive, unrealistic worry and tension with little or no reason. Um, Some people have what are called panic disorders, where you feel a sudden, intense fear that that brings on a panic attack. And during the panic attack, you may break out and sweat, have chest pain, have a pounding heart, what's called palpitations. And sometimes you may feel like you're choking or having a heart attack. The other thing is a social anxiety disorder. These days, social anxiety disorder is prevalent. Lots of people have it. We have lost our skills not gravely, but a lot of people have lost our courage and our ability to make friendships and make relationships. And uh, a social phobia, which is basically a, a social anxiety disorder, is when you feel overwhelmed and worry and self-conscious about everyday social situations and how people see you. And you obsessively worry about others judging you or being embarrassed or ridiculed. And there's also specific phobias that are out there where you feel really intense fear of a specific object or a situation like heights or flying. And the fear goes beyond what's appropriate. And and it usually may cause you to avoid ordinary situations. The biggest one is agoraphobia. And, And this is where you have an intense fear of being in a place where it seems hard to escape and you get help or get help if, if an emergency occurs. So, for example, you may panic or feel anxious when on an airplane or, or public transportation or standing in line with a crowd. That's agoraphobia. And those people often find themselves having trouble leaving their home. Then there's separation anxiety. And little kids aren't the only ones who feel scared and anxious when someone leaves. You know, anyone can get separation anxiety disorder. A lot of people have that in their relationships, especially codependent people when they're losing their narcissist. You know, if you do, you feel very anxious or fearful when a person you're close to leaves your sight. You'll always worry that something bad may happen to that person. And then we have another thing called selective mutism. And this type of social anxiety uh, in which young kids who talk normally with their family won't speak in public. Like at school. And that's called selective mutism. And and then there's always the medication-induced or caffeine-based, which I always get, uh, anxiety disorder, where we use certain medications, drugs, you know, caffeine, whatever, and, and or we have withdrawal from drugs or alcohol or whatever that, and that can trigger some symptoms of an anxiety disorder. For instance, if a person is going to get off an antidepressant too quick, they will immediately go into withdrawals, and those withdrawals are acute, and uh, and that can cause enormous problems and a lot of trauma. When you're going off an, a, a, a major depressant disorder, Uh, medication, what you really want to do is taper off of it slowly over two to three weeks to allow your brain to make up the difference of dopamine and serotonin. Otherwise, it's going to do what uh, it's just going to take a big dip and it's not going to know where to baseline at. 
And so it's silly uh, for people to do that, but they do because of their pride. They'll just jump off of the antidepressant and expect themselves to be perfect. You know, there's also common symptoms of anxiety disorders. Number one is panic. Number two is fear. Now, fear is the core. Fear is the root of an anxiety disorder. And then there's uneasiness, which is a side effect of fear. And then there's feelings of doom or danger. Oftentimes, people with anxiety disorders have sleep problems, not being able to stay calm and still. They ruminate. They worry. And so they just go excessively through their brain like a little gerbil in the, in the cage in the little round thing where they're running all the time and going nowhere. And then there's cold, sweaty, numb, tingling hands or feet, shortness of breath, breathing faster, more quickly than normal. That's called hyperventilation. Then we have the heart palpitations, the dry mouth, the nausea, tense muscles, dizziness, thinking about a problem over and over again, which once again is rumination. Concentration goes down, intense, obsessively avoiding feared objects or places. And now, since we're in that state, we lack our ability to have what's called intuition, which is what reads our people around us. And so what we end, what we end up doing is labeling everything in order for us to feel safe. And so our intelligence goes way down with anxiety. We lose a lot of our wisdom when anxiety is a part of our life. So look, let's just look at what causes anxiety disorders. Number one, it runs in families. Genetics is a big part of it. Another thing is the environment you grow up in. If you're going to grow up with neurotic people around you, you're probably going to be neurotic too because it catches on. And then there's brain chemistry. Some, some of the research suggests anxiety disorders may be linked to, to like faulty circuits in the brain that control fear and emotions. Um, also emotional and environmental stress. And that refers basically to the stressful events that you have seen or lived through. If you had a stressed out adult parent who was torturing you your whole life and calling you names and treating you crappy and not being safe, especially if you're not safe with them, you're going to have problems with stress later on in life. You're always going to be calculating who's going to do this to me next. You're never going to feel safe in this world. The number one thing that all children are looking for when they are a baby in the First year of life, they're evaluating whether these knuckleheads who had me are going to take care of me. Are they going to be good to me? Am I safe? And that is by the way they cry. If you're able to read the way that a baby cries, you're going to better make them feel safe in this world, which will lower their anxiety. The safer you are as a parent, the less stress your child is likely to have later on in life. Also, uh, drug withdrawal, like we talked about, or medication conditions, you know, some heart, lung, and thyroid conditions can cause symptoms like anxiety disorders, uh, especially thyroids. Thyroids cause a lot of depression and anxiety when they're out of whack, and, and they make anxiety symptoms worse. So it's important to get a full physical exam to rule out other medical conditions when talking to your doctor about anxiety. You know, the risk factors are huge. There, you know, if if you have another mental disorder along with anxiety, which is likely depression, uh, this raises your risk for the anxiety disorder to exacerbate because the depression feeds off the anxiety and the anxiety feeds off the depression. So you're either depressed because you're anxious and you feel your life's out of control or you're anxious because you're depressed and you can't get out of bed. Childhood sexual abuse. That's another one. 
Emotional, physical, sexual abuse, neglect during childhood is linked to anxiety disorders later in life because when you are at your most vulnerable, adults did something or people older than you did something to violate you. And that now you have to make that as a part of what it's going to be like when you grow up, that there's going to be predators out there to do what happened to you. Also, if you live through traumatic events, that increases post-traumatic stress disorder, which can cause panic attacks. You see, there's this thing in our brain called the limbic system that holds memory. And what that means is it's above the brainstem. And so if you're being chased by the woolly mammoth, the woolly mammoth, that woolly mammoth is going to sound a certain way. It's going to smell a certain way. There's going to be all kinds of ingredients involved in that woolly mammoth chasing you. And so your brain is going to collect that evidence in the limbic system above the brainstem so that the next time this happens, you will go immediately without even thinking to fight or flight. And so the problem is, is as we collect things in our limbic system that are traumatic, uh, basically what takes place is – Uh, we get more and more and more triggers that correlate to that trauma. And therefore, we may be walking through Walmart and hear a certain noise and all of a sudden we're at fight or flight and we don't understand that. Well, that limbic system is actually making you be able to survive. But it keeps collecting memories correlated to trauma. And so to get rid of uh, the trauma in your brain, the best remedy for something like that, in my opinion, is uh, EMDR, eye movement desensitization reprocessing. Because what that does is it takes the memory out of the limbic system and drops it back into the memory glands, which are on the left and the right in the back of your brain. And those memory glands don't have an emotional attachment to the memory as much as the limbic system does. There's no more fight or flight. You remember everything that happens, but you're not actually living in it. And so that makes a big difference in coping with trauma. And that's why EMDR is effective. And you might want to read about that. Eye movement desensitization reprocessing is what it's called. Now, um, substance abuse is a big derivative also of anxiety. Some people use those substances to hide or ease their symptoms. And, And being shy as a child. Uh, that also can make people unfamiliar and, and places in life uh, feeling like you're going to be judged as a child. So if you were treated harshly when you were younger uh, or bullied, you're going to have trouble with life. Also, low self-esteem contributes to anxiety disorders. So if you have symptoms, your doctor could examine you. A therapist could help you. There's, you've just got to be willing to seek uh, treatment. You know, there's things like uh, Buspar or antipsychotics or anticonvulsives or beta blockers or uh, uh, bupropion, uh, antidepressants. There's all kinds of good medications that can help you. And there's all kinds of therapy that can help you. And I'm not suggesting you just go right down to your doctor and grab an anti-anxiety medication. But what I am suggesting is if you've lived with it for a long time, there's a good chance you don't have the coping skills to deal with it. So maybe you go to therapy first. If that doesn't give you the full healing that anxiety can be treated, then maybe medication would be assistance or replace your therapist with somebody else that's better. You know, you want to learn If you're going to be anxious, you need to learn about the disorder and you need to manage the symptoms and the roadblocks along the way. You know, don't be afraid to ask people questions that have dealt with it before. You know, it it never hurts, by the way, 
to to be in something like a religious institution that is faith-based because that is going to enhance your ability to understand there's a lot of life you cannot control and you can hand off your worries and understand that you're not in full control, but you are safe as you can be. That's all we can be, as safe as we can be. You know, if you're going to drive a car, you need to be a defensive driver. Now, does that mean that you're you're... You're never safe. No, it means you're safe. But if you're a good defensive driver, you're going to be safer than normal. So now we don't have to be anxious when we're driving a car because we're doing as most as we can do to make it safe for ourselves. But the deal is, you know, if you're going to have unpleasant side effects with your medications or if you're going to have anxiety symptoms, you have to find a way to manage it and you have to take it serious. Exercise, 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 cardio, cardio, cardio. Having a good image of yourself physically can also contribute to your mental state. Cardio affects the brain before it affects any other part of your body. It makes you healthy, gives you more oxygen. Uh, You know, if, if you eat right and exercise, you know, like jogging or biking, those brain chemicals release and that cuts stress and improves your mood. They also, people that uh, uh, lower their anxiety levels get better sleep. You know, uh, it, it goes hand in hand. If you're going to have anxiety and you're going to ruminate, you're going to worry, you're going to freak out, you're going to exacerbate anxiety in your life. You know, you want to learn to relax. And, and, and maybe learning how to be mindful is not a bad idea. What is that mindful? Well, you know, if I'm able to focus on just being here with you, doing this show right now in this moment, what that means is I'm not in the past, I'm not in the future, I'm not catastrophizing, I'm not in my head, I'm not ruminating, I'm existing. I have meaning right now because I'm here and that's important and I'm saying I, as all of us, all of us can have meaning in our our life if we choose to plug in where we're at with the people we're with, with the moment we're in, with our innate curiosity to discover wisdom in whatever way, shape, form, or fashion, but also willing to emotionally, vulnerably engage in this moment in our life. That is the meaning of life because we create meaning by being in this moment. No anxiety with that. None. No anxiety. It's a beautiful thing. The other thing, learning to relax, you know, it's an important part of this, you know, like meditation, praying, mindfulness, that can help you unwind after a stressful day and make your treatment work better. Also, keeping track of your emotions, keeping track of your anxiety, write down your thoughts before the day is is done. That may help you relax so you're not tossing and turning with anxious thoughts all night long and driving everybody else crazy. You know, the other thing is we have to develop an understanding that these negative narratives that we develop about life, ourselves, and other people, we need to convert those to positives. People who live a grateful life, meaning I'm grateful for my friends. I'm grateful for the people that love me. I am grateful for my home. I'm grateful for my life. I'm grateful for my income. I'm grateful for my show. I'm grateful for my fans. I'm grateful for my listeners. I'm grateful for my dogs. The more we're grateful the better our life becomes and the more magnetic we become as people. But if we're going to focus on negatives and all the reasons not to do things and all the reasons we can't do things, 
if you're going to live like that, like Eeyore, then what's going to basically happen is you're going to live what's called a mediocre life. You're tasteless. It's flat. It's boring. It's awful. And that's what people in anxiety do because they unplug from life and plug into their own brain and their own narratives. And they just live there. You know, the other thing is, if you want to not be anxious, one of the greatest things you can do is is actually get together with friends, whether it's in person or on the phone or on the computer. You know, social connections help people thrive and stay healthy. It gives you moments to have meaning. People who have a close group of friends that support and chat with them have lower levels of anxiety because you're no longer alone. You're no longer locked into your own thoughts. You know, there's very little meaning when you cannot share your thoughts and wisdom with other people. If you're too caught up in your own worries, your own anxiety, you're going to have a lot of trouble plugging in. You know, the other thing is if, if you're so anxious, can you get outside of your ego and step into seeking support? Help get people that will help you. Talk to people who are anxious and have treated their anxiety. You know, it can be challenging and frustrating to live with an anxiety disorder, but it can be really challenging to have to deal with somebody with an anxiety disorder. And your effects affect others. If you're going to be anxious and have children, your kids are going to be anxious. That's just all there is to it. If you're going to rub that off and, and make that the legacy of your life to your children, so be it. Make psychotic children who have a hard time uh, connecting with others, have a hard time uh, wanting to attach, you know, anxious attachment. That creates big problems in their life. You need to learn to calm down, have faith, and live in the moment. Stop living in fear and live in faith. So let's have another break, and then we're going to come back and talk more about anxiety. Change your world. Change your life. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com Dr. Gary Bell is available for speaking engagements as well as teaching at your seminar or workshop and life coaching via telephone Skype or in person in the Seattle area. Dr. Bell brings his no-nonsense, straight-from-the-hip discussions each week on the show, but it doesn't stop there. Learn about motivation and psychology, one-couple marriage repair, a two-day workshop in Seattle, and more. Visit drgbmft.com today or call Dr. Gary Bell at 951-818-7856. That's drgbmft.com or 951-818-7856. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. You are tuned in to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. If you have a question for Dr. Gary or his guest, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. That's easy enough, but if you want to send an email, it will take some thinking. Got a pen? The email address is drgbmft at sbcglobal.net. Or you can just click on Email Host on the Voice America page. Now, back to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. 
Welcome back, everybody. All right, we're talking about anxiety and living in fear. You know, anxiety can build more quickly when your body has a surplus of energy. And so by performing some uh, physical coping skills for stress, you'll, you'll learn to feel genuine improvement in terms of tension relief. And so, you know, some good things to do to start your day off right was, is get up and sing, dance, play music, uh, take, take, take a bath or a shower. Read, write, draw, or paint. Do something creative that gets your day off right. You watch a movie that changes your mood. Or go outside, take a walk, surround yourself with nature because nature is not stressed. You know, also taking a vacation or at least a break can be enormous help. Exercise, playing sports, get rid of that energy. Doing stuff like that. Take a run. You know, do something. Ride your bike. You know, sleep also helps us, especially if you dream, because in the dream state of, of sleep, what happens is we emote. And during that time, any repressed emotions that we've had in the previous day are going to come into our dreams, and our dreams are going to form to basically emote those emotions that got stifled in the previous day. And if we weren't able to express them, the dream will allow you the experience to express them. And therefore, when you come out of the dream, you will often be less stressed because your brain will have emoted those emotions that you repressed. The other thing is eating healthy food and some crappy stuff with it just to give yourself some comfort. But eating healthy food can be a big help. You know, one of the most important kinds of anxiety coping skills for adult is to slow down your thought process. You know, if you find a comfortable rhythm that will put you in Greater harmony with the world, finding a way to de-stress is largely a manner of learning how to feel positive again. So do slow breathing exercises, perform meditation and relaxation techniques. Usually guided meditation can be really good. You can find tons of apps on your smartphone for that. And spend time with pets. Pets are wonderful to help us calm down. And also taking a nap or enjoying your personal hobbies. That can be enormous help. Go out and meet your friends. Have experiences that will make you laugh or cry or yell out. You know, it's so fun to be able to laugh. Yet people repress that need so much that we find ourselves hardly ever having a really good belly laugh that gives us a cathartic moment of release. You know, you can find humor out there if you just look for it. it humor is everywhere, especially in social media. You just got to look and try to find it. The other thing is we have to deal with our daily living. And there's coping skills that are unhealthy and coping skills that are healthy. One of the biggest coping skills that is healthy is using positive language, being grateful, give and accept compliments freely. That releases stress enormously. If we take on manageable levels of responsibility, that helps us be more responsible in our life. And it's a big deal, you know, that we do that. We have to observe ourselves as well as our mood and our feelings. We have to learn to recognize when emotion is beginning to interfere with our decision making. So we keep a diary in order to, for your thoughts and add narrative structure to your life. That is a huge, huge ingredient. So, you know, one of the things that we also have to do, if you're going to ruminate, ask yourself, why am I stressed out about this? What is the likelihood that my fears will actually come true? Is there any reasons to be optimistic and look at possibilities instead of what I feel are probabilities. 
what would what would my friends actually truly think about this? What would my friends actually do about this? And in the grand scheme of things, is this really so important that it will affect my future? You know, we've got to ask ourselves questions like that when we're really having to ruminate over stupid things. You know, the, sometimes the feelings of anxiety and anger can indeed be too much to bear. And, and the standard pressure release valves don't seem to provide any relief. So in those cases, it may be time to seek the aid of a professional to help you. You know, that one-on-one -on -one therapy may give you, especially in confidentiality, may give you the release that you're needing. You know, it, 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 you know most licensed uh, uh, mental health professionals understand what it is to deal with anxiety and have treatment modalities to deal with anxiety. You know, so, you know, the no, you want to know that the feeling that your heart is beating faster in response to a stressful situation, that is going to tell you, number one, that you're facing anxiety. Maybe you get sweaty hands or you're confronted with an overwhelming task or event. That's anxiety and, and our body's natural response to stress. But if you haven't recognized your triggers, there are a, a, a few things you can do. You know, look at your job. You know, if you're going to have a brand new job, that's going to be stressful. Accept that. You know, if you're going to meet your your partner's family for the first time, that could be stressful. Giving a presentation in front of people. You know, everyone has different triggers, but identifying them is one of the most important steps to coping and managing anxiety attacks. Identifying your triggers can take some time and self-reflection, but it's all fear-based. And remember that. Fear. Fear triggers anxiety, you know, so negative thoughts can take root in your mind and distort the severity of the situation. So one way is to challenge your fears and ask if they're true. See where you can take control back. Try breathing for four counts or breathing out for four counts for five minutes. That can help you enormously, you know. Uh, some people use a, a, a aromatherapy like an oil or an in in incense or a candle like lavender or chamomile or sandalwood. That can be very soothing. Also, aromatherapy – sorry, I have a little dog here. The, um, aromatherapy is thought to help uh, activate certain receptors in your brain, uh, potentially easing anxiety, you know. Take a walk for 15 minutes. Do some yoga. You know, learning how to do stuff like that can help. The other thing is if you're a big ruminator, write down your thoughts. You know, if that's making you anxious, get out of your head. Get out of your head, you know, and understand that you can make things less daunting by writing down and actually seeing what you're actually thinking. And so on one side of the paper, write, I fear, dot, 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 and then write down your fears. And now, I have faith that on the other side, dot, 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 and see what you come up with to answer your fear. You know, having a stressful job, driving or traveling all the time, uh, withdrawal from drugs, these are all side effects uh, of, of anxiety, trauma, phobias, you know, chronic pain, caffeine. Having another mental illness like depression can trigger anxiety. So understand, if you have those things in your life, you're likely going to experience some form of anxiety. But there's also changing your diet can help you. And taking supplements can help you also. It's not all just thought-based. You know, some things like lemon balm, omega-3 fatty acids. Omega-3 is wonderful because basically in your brain it creates synapses. 
And the more uh, fish oil that you've uh, added to your brain, the better it's going to handle your neurological activity in your brain. Uh, green tea or, or uh, valerian root or kava kava or dark chocolate in moderation, by the way. You know, it could take up to three months before your body's actually running on nutrition with those kind of herbs, but they can be very, very, very helpful. The other thing that I take, and it's a great supplement, is called SAM-E, SAM, S-A-M dash small e. And um, it's really good for the mood, the brain, and emotional health. It's also good for, by the way, liver health, uh, detoxification. Uh, it's good for uh, joint comfort, uh, mobility support. I mean, it does a whole lot of great things. That is an enormously helpful uh, uh, supplement. Another supplement that I take that I think is, and this is not a commercial for these things, by the way, but, you know, Prevagen improves your memory. And that's another dietary supplement that I believe is very, very helpful to, uh, if, especially if you're an old guy like me, that helps your life. You know, if your anxiety is severe enough that your mental health practitioner believes you'd benefit from medication, maybe you want to listen to them a little bit. Maybe it's time to go, okay, maybe I don't have all the answers, but it's really important to identify what sort of anxiety you're dealing with, and that could be somewhat challenging, but we've gone through a lot of those conditions and those ways that anxiety manifests itself, and so that is something that we need to get a handle on, because the more we understand it, the better chance we have to manage it. And, and, and just like anger management, which is managing rage, anxiety needs to be managed. Depression needs to be managed. Obsessive compulsive disorder needs to be managed. If you do not manage them, they will run your life. And that's the battle we all have when we choose to have these kinds of experiences and these kinds of mental health challenges in our life is that we are challenged with the idea that our brain We'll have mental illnesses that will take over who we are and make our decisions for us. You know, the signs of an anxiety attack is something like feelings of danger or panic or dread. Uh, also, nervousness and restlessness, uh, uh, rapid heart rate, sweating, trembling, or you know, chills, tiredness or weakness. You know, it can be really tiring to live in fear your whole life. But the one, the big one, especially with children, is gastrointestinal problems. And uh, but it, it's across the board with people of all ages, by the way. Uh, also, difficulty focusing. Your concentration is usually affected. Uh, hyperventilation. You know, it's also possible to experience an anxiety and panic attack simultaneously. You know, the 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 the, the coping skills is really to just sit back, relax. You know, what the Buddhists will tell you is, all right, go ahead and just kill me. <laughs> if you're in the middle of a panic, just kill me. Go ahead. Do, do your thing. And by accepting the fact you're having it, it actually works in the opposite affect by not giving it the power. Because what happens is when we have a panic attack, we start to fear like we're dying, feel like you're losing control. We feel detached. We have heart palpitations, shortness of breath, chest pains. Uh, heart attack feelings, nausea, feeling lightheaded, numbness, tingling, you know, feeling hot or cold. But that those kind of thoughts, if we're going to fixate on them, that's going to panic. That's going to ramp the panic up. You want to go in the opposite. You want to go the opposite and go go uh, go ahead. You know, run your course, do your thing. 
but I'm not going to feed you. You know, if you notice that that quick tips haven't been working, you want to probably go to the AR and get some help because it may actually be a heart attack. It may actually be some other health problem. But if your anxiety stems from trauma or is something that you know you've had through your whole life and you know what it feels like, then you want to learn to adapt to it and allow it to run its course and not run your life. You know, once you find a treatment that works best for you, life should be a lot more enjoyable and less scary, you know. But the bottom line is we as people, the first line of treatment is some form of cognitive change in your thought process where you accept the fact that you cannot control life. You can only influence life. That is your goal. That should always be your goal. How can I influence? Not how can I control. How can I influence? That is huge, and that is something that we all need to come to grips with and understand that that is the way we need to live. You know, stress is such a contributor to the longevity of our life, and all of us, because it's intangible, we can't see it, all of us need to take it very, very serious. All right, that's our show. You know, thank you for listening. I love hearing from you. And, you know, you can do that at voiceamerica.com, the empowerment channel, Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. Now, remember, mountains are meant to be climbed, not carried. Also, given we are 90% water, we are basically cucumbers wondering why we exist. (laughs) Also, if you're a defensive person, you are equivalent to a walking blowfish. (laughs) Also, if you overthink, you're anxious. Thanks for listening, everybody. That's our show for this week. Please join Dr. Gary Bell for another edition of Absurd Psychology next Tuesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Now go impress your friends and family with what you've learned today and have them tune in next week so they can be almost as smart as you. 